Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to another episode of Brainwaves on 8.55am 3CR Community Radio or streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Today's show is part two of our two-part episode, Carer Special, uh, looking at resources and support for carers and families. Um, Currently, 23% of children live in households where at least one parent has a mental illness. Um, So quite common, actually. Um, And on today's show, we're speaking with uh, Rose Cuff, Statewide FAPME Coordinator, and Catherine Vine, uh, family services peer work, peer program worker. Uh, welcome, Catherine and Rose, to the show. Thank you Hi. for having us. Um, so, FAPME, for our listeners, FAPME stands for Families Where a Parent Has a Mental Illness um, and is a service development strategy mm-hmm. um, to connect families uh, to support so that they can better support uh, their loved ones. Um, so, are you able to explain for our listeners what, what is FAPME? Yeah, sure. So um, the FATME Service Development Strategy was um, really launched in recognition in 2007 but that there are um, so many families living there where a parent has a mental illness and the parenting role is a very, very important role in, in our lives and uh, we all, those parents out there listening would know that it can be really challenging. And if you add uh, mental illness or mental health issues to that, it can really be a struggle. And historically, children... Um, have often uh, kind of flown under the radar and not perhaps been recognised as having their own needs. So the FATME strategy was um, is funded by the um, state government and essentially it's, it's skill-building um, workers, primarily in mental health, in adult mental health, but also the FATME coordinators of whom there are currently across 11 of the area mental health services in Victoria. There's many, there's 22 altogether. Um, they work uh, across services to really, um, they're the, the sort of conscience of services to make sure that parents and families and children are identified respectfully and offered support in their parenting and family role. Um, I'm pleased to say that the FATME strategy, I'm the statewide coordinator, I'm based at the Bouvery Centre yep. um, in Melbourne here, um, and we've just received news of some additional funding. So the FATME strategy will actually be, um, over the next few months, extended across um, all parts of Victoria, which is great news. That's fantastic, especially when there's been so many cuts to mm-hmm. you know, um, mm. mental health services. It's great to hear that, um, that there is continued funding, especially for, for family members. Yep. Yeah, it's very it's very exciting news. And the other good bit of news is that the um, uh, along with those uh, sort of salaries and positions that help to um, uh, coordinate delivery of programs and services um, across mental health and other services, there's some additional funding which actually enables those programs and group programs and direct benefit to families to occur. Um, so that's some additional resources that's being provided, which is also very good news. So how do those resources go from uh, you as the state level uh, family for families of people with a mental illness mm-hmm. to the stakeholders that are delivering the services for those families? I guess there's two parts to that. One part is the way that the FATME coordinators, who are all um, 
skilled clinicians um, and experienced in their own way in working in delivering training and education. So they actually support workers in their practice. Um, in having, um, in you know, doing really good, having good conversations with parents and families, yeah, um, and I guess making the helping the services to improve their response to parents who've got a mental illness and children and families. Um, the second part of that is actually tangible sort of money um, and uh, capacity to uh, allow support families to do things like go and have go to respite and I'm sure Catherine will talk about that have respite go on holidays access um, school support home support um, registering for things like football or basketball clubs for children um, th- those kind of very tangible outcomes that we know strength and relationships between family members and help children to achieve their goals yep thank you um, Rose, would you like to tell? Sorry, um, Catherine, <laughs> would you like to tell us about your role in uh, with Mental Illness Fellowship and how you connect with the uh, families of a person with a mental illness strategy? Okay, so I am a peer program worker with my fellowship um, within the Family Services Department. So I'm based at Mitcham. Um, I've been involved with the FATME strategy. I'm meeting Rose. Um, with the programs that they oversee and and how families can get linked in. So I guess the easiest way to explain it is that um, I have had lived experience in um, having two immediate families members with a mental illness. When I was employed by my fellowship, I sort of wanted to get involved with youth and how um, youth and young people can you know, access services, what supports are out there for families. And that's when I obviously found out about FATME and what they do and how we work with them. Yep. Um, so I will be facilitating some of the programs um, that help young kids um, learn a little bit more about mental illness. And um, obviously, like Rose said, we also provide ongoing support um, for those families. But that's sort of my um, role as such as to how I'm linked with FATME. Fantastic. And um, can you make any comment about links with schools and, and how um, those services, The I don't know whether you want to identify the actual services that you work with, specialist mental health, family services, alcohol and other drug, early years and perinatal support and universal health and educational services. Um, how you link into school programs because all students, all, all young people go to school after the age of about five. Mm. Is that for me? Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I wasn't think sure. both of you could, might have a comment um, there. Well, I know when we're sort of promoting the, the upcoming um, CHAMPS and Our Space or PATS program, yep. um, we definitely look at other services. So we look at um, who, you know, workers in the field who has this, you know, instant contact with young people um, who are already linked in with particular services. I know from um, trying to promote um, certain programs that we run, um, I have sort of contacted various social workers who work in schools, um, different um, young carers who are linked in with certain um, support services, all those sort of added um, workers within the field um, and obviously their um, organisations that they're linked in with. Um, Mm. So as a a peer worker, what are the sort of programs that you um, have been a, a part of to support Um, children who have a parent with a mental illness? So I've um, co-facilitated a program in the West. Um, It was a FATME um, 
Pat's program at the time. Um, sorry, can you, you tell us what Pat? I was just yeah. about to explain. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Pat's is a program that's um, designed. It's basically an educational program for um, for young teens. So it's a uh, between sort of your high school age, so 13 to 18. And the idea is that um, it's basically the uh, the, um, the sort of main principles are that, you know, all these teenagers come along, they've all got a parent or, or a sibling with a mental illness and it's about um, educating them around what is mental illness, what are the causes, you know, what supports are out there, how to get linked in with services and more importantly um, their own self-care because we do know that there is a, a large proportion of of um, kids whose parent or siblings have mental illness who can have anxiety or, or other mental health issues as well mm. that they can develop due to the stress around that. Mm. It is very common for, mm. you know, for carers and family members to then develop, go on to develop their own um, mental health issues as a result, you know, of caring for a, for a loved one. Yeah. Mm. Um, Rose, I, I wanted to ask, going back to um, the, the FAPME strategy, mm. um, can I ask who can actually access um, this, this particular service? You had mentioned before that they're in area mental health services yep. um so how does one who can access this service well there's as i said there's two parts to that really in terms of the the fatme coordinators as i said um are based are employed and located within the um, mental health the public mental health system but they work very broadly they br build bridges with um services at and many parents would not be accessing mental health services. They might be going to a family service, to a GP. Their child might be in school. So it's really getting messages out to the a whole range of service providers that um, it's giving them the skills and the tools to recognise if th that, that adult in front of them is perhaps a, a parent who might be living with mental illness and how that might be impacting on them, on their family, on their children, on grandparents. Um, so anyone can actually, any person in those services can actually contact the FATME coordinator and say, look, I've got this person, you know, in my school office, in my GP office. Um, they can actually contact the, their local FATME coordinator and the list of those people's on the Bouverie website, which perhaps I can give at the end. Yeah, that would be um, great. We can put, put that on the 3CR website yeah. and on our Brainwaves website yeah. as well for anyone who wants to. Or, yeah, they yeah. can contact me. And it's yeah. there's some really... Um, there's some good resources that the FATME coordinator can put them in touch with in terms of getting entry to a service, getting information. But also the other part of that is the group programs that Catherine's just described. Um, a, a, a significant proportion of the work that we do is brokering those kinds of programs. So the CHAMPS program, for example, is for young children, age 8 to 12, and they are operating in different parts of the state. Um, the, the teenage equivalent is the PATS, or there's the sort of new iteration of that is called Our Space, which again is starting to develop. And many other um, parts of Victoria have programs for parent, parent support programs. So there's a supported play group, for example, mm. for parents with mental illness in the northern part of Victoria. So if you're living in the northern part of Victoria and listening to this and you would like some support as a young mum with a mental illness, you know, contact the, the local... Um, Northern Area Mental Health Service FATME Corner. There's a, those are kind of examples of direct contact where you can get a direct support. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and what kind of support is provided to um, carers or, or families from a FATME coordinator? I understand it's it's linking, you know, people in to these um, services. Yeah. Um, are you able to kind of describe what what a FATME coordinator actually does? Well, a large part of what they do is really... Um, as I said, it's 
it's really they're sort of the the che- the influencing the work of all the workers with, within adult mental health, but also other workers in the field. They're trying to equip them with skills to identify to to ask the right questions. So if you're a if you're a parent um, with a mental illness, for example, and you're trying to get help from either um, a mental health service or a family service or a GP or Uh, It can be quite hard to ask for help. It can be quite, parents can feel quite um, fearful of actually um, going and seeking help for fear of being judged or Mm. um, children being removed, those kinds of things. So it's trying to equip um, workers with the skills in having those kinds of conversations. To identify? To identify a person, you know, what are they looking for? And again, without being blaming, without assuming that they are a good or a bad enough parent. So... It, it sounds like it's simple, but actually I think, you know, um, as parents we know that you, it, you're very quickly judged. So it's really giving them skills, pointing them in the direction of really good resources. So there's some very good uh, resources for parents. There's organisations like my fellowship, um, Carers Victoria, um, young carer support programs, talking with families about where to get the right support, how to talk about these issues within their families. So it's quite practical. Um, examples of the work they do within a within a service would be to create really clear pathways to support. To if you do end up being in hospital, for example, um, because of your mental illness, becoming acutely unwell, how can they um, invite their children and family into where they're getting the treatment? Um, so that it's not scary and it's not um, even more stigmatising, I, I guess. So there's a lot of work going on in making help, um, what we do is trying to support it to become more family sensitive and more family friendly, these organisations. Um, often it's very simple things, you know, having waiting rooms that have information about my fellowship or about parenting, um, about um, where to go to get help, to talk to your children about mental illness. Um, where to go to get support for having a break, those kinds of very practical things. Mm. You know, as we've been talking and how we were chatting a little bit before, mm. um, you know, how we were talking about, you know, that the programs are aimed at, you know, kids and teenagers, um, does FAPME extend to um, adults who have parents um, who have a mental illness, so not just for just for kids or teenagers? I'll just quickly answer that, then pass over to Catherine. Sure. <laughs> um, so there are other. So the FAPME coordinators in these services work very closely with um, um, carer, what we call carer consultants. So people employed within services in, in mental health services to provide. Uh, they they've got their own lived experience of being a carer, and very often that's um, of caring for somebody who's um, an adult, not a child. Um, so we work very closely with them. Um, we have more of a focus on young, on children up to 18, but in, in partnering with the carer workforce, we, we do um, certainly keep that in mind. But that's probably more Catherine's can answer that probably as well. Yeah, um, with regards to obviously having a, still being a parent, but obviously your child who has the mental illness is a lot older, so it's usually the adult. Um, so we usually generally see um, people who might be wanting some sort of family support and sometimes the carer may be 50, 60 with a 30 or 40-year-old um, 
child that obviously isn't a child is an adult who has mental health issues um, we do provide support for them where there's always um, different options there's different groups um, we're affiliated with um, different organizations to help carry out certain groups I know in the east we're running one um, for through the eastern health um, so we're running one um, with regards to carers who are too stereotypically sort of that older age bracket um, so we do different activities and it's still the same principles as what the child groups are based around it's still around that peer support that um, general um, education but also being able to get the main the main idea is that that's peer support and talking to other people about what you're going through and what it's like being a carer of someone who's, you know, around the same demographic and age group. Um, we find that a lot of people get that support that way. And obviously we offer the respite as well, um, time out, different things, different activities. We, we also work with grandparents. We were talking before, so um, there's, as probably most listeners know, there's an increasing number of grandparents providing care, both informal sort of kinship care but also informal care to grandchildren where... Um, sometimes it's because um, the, the parent or parents are struggling to provide that care for their children. It can be mental illness, it can be drug and alcohol, it can just be all, all kinds of challenges. So the, the FATME strategy and the people with whom we work are very mindful of offering, of trying to make sure that we provide support to grandparents and also to um, parents who haven't got full-time care of their children. They may be um, part-time caring for children because of their mental illness, and that's very common. Um, that they have had to relinquish full-time care. So mm. the group programs in particular that we offer, um, that we've talked about a bit about today, we would certainly include children and young people and parents who, who are not in the full-time care of their parents. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you very much for all of that. Um, I'm wondering if, whether you can make any comment about it's widespread in the media that services in the city are much better for people in relation to health compared within the rural environment. Mm -hmm. And is that a similar issue for families of par parents with a mental illness, the sort of service that can be provided? I'll just talk quickly then and um, invite Catherine. Um, yep. I... Uh, certainly from my experience in the FATME strategy, because we have p um, positions both in rural and um, metro positions, yes. one of the big issues for families um, is access. So if you've got a mental illness, um, there can be associated challenges in terms of um, getting to and from places. That may be because getting to driving a car to get to an appointment or to a service means driving in the car in the in the country because public transport's much more challenging. So we often hear stories that it's um, a, a parent is either can't get to appointments, can't get children to school, can't get to group programs. So we have to work around that. We have to be a bit flexible. So trying to adapt, well, trying to get funding to get transport is a big one. Yes. To get families Absolutely. to and from things. Um, and also adapting programs, being flexible enough to run it rather than having... Um, an after-school program once a week over eight weeks, we might run it over a school holiday so that they're going for three consecutive days and they spend the whole day there, so it's more worth their while. But really being mindful of access. And 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 I think the close-knit communities can be very helpful for families because everyone knows everybody else and they help out, but there can also be high levels of stigma and shame that can be that can yes. infiltrate. So yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely with the accessibility, it is something that... Um, like 
Rosa said, it, it is something that is challenging for people who do live in rural areas and I think it is a similar sort of circumstance in that the accessibility, if, if they're able to access things a lot easier and it's not as far distance, then that obviously um, would be a lot more mm. convenient and it would probably um, make people more inclined to want to engage in services because they haven't got to be in the car for an hour or whatever. Mm. I am hearing distance. though that you, you've got strategies in place and you're well aware of the difficulties yeah. there. Yeah. Um, would you like to make any comment about um, culturally and linguistically diverse or Indigenous communities and how they are included in this strategy? Shall I answer that first? Yeah, sure. Um, yes, sure. Um, so Broadly speaking, I think that certainly the FATME coordinators to make links with organisations that work with people from different ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the migrant resource centres and uh, the transcultural psychiatry, those kinds of organisations. And some of the resources have been translated into other languages. I think one of the things we need to be mindful of is how mental health and mental illness is perceived and understood and talked about in different yes. cultural backgrounds. Um, and I, you know, I think we have to be very careful not making assumptions about how it's how it's viewed. Um, so just being very, just being very respectful of that, and trying to learn from them about how they talk about it in their families. I remember a long time ago working with a family who were Egyptian, and the mum had schizophrenia, but in that family and extended family, it was just talked about as diabetes. So the injections that she were have, was having were for her diabetes, not for her schizophrenia. And so I just worked with that over a period of time. And it was, it was never really articulated, but the family understood how they could talk about it as a family. It meant she could continue having treatment and the children could receive support. So you have to just be very... You need to just be very flexible. Flexibility, yes. Yeah, and it's the same with um, Indigenous um, peoples as well. We need to be very respectful of how it's um, how it's understood, how it's talked about, um, the, the spiritual awareness of that, of mm. considerations. Yes, and um, so far I think we've been talking about uh, families around a person who acknowledges that they've got a mental health condition. You might like to comment on those who don't acknowledge it and uh, maybe those who may be picked up through other services, maybe such as domestic violence or child protection. Mm. Um, yeah, sure. Um, so with with that sort of um, idea that um, a lot of families come and, and want support, however the loved one or someone that they support who has a mental illness isn't actually aware that they have a mental illness. They might be really acutely unwell for quite a long period of time and they don't have much insight into how or why they're unwell. Yes. Um, there are still obviously supports available um, for those families. There are supports available for kids and for carers. Um, my fellowship are, are really... Um, really good at sort of linking in when we get phone calls with regards to carers who might um, call up and, and, and say something along the lines of, look, I want support, however, I'm not, um, my loved one doesn't acknowledge that they're unwell, what can I do, what supports I can um, access? And we sort of have a chat to carers around what supports are available. It might involve having a chat to them and they might mention that they have children. And in regards to children, and, and this is sort of where FATME comes in, yeah. um, the strategy comes in, we'd obviously make sure that their kids are aware that their parent has a mental illness. Um, they might not be aware of many details, but they might just be aware that, you know, when mum is having a bad day, this is what that looks like. Mum has a mental illness and then have a little conversation around that. And then we generally um, talk about various programs like CHAMPS or Our Space or, or PATS that 
that they then the kids can be linked in with and learning a little bit about mental health and obviously those peer and social supports that are available for them. Fantastic. Catherine, can I ask, um, you know, obviously being on the ground and working as part of, you know, the programs, what are some of the benefits that you have seen as a consequence of some of the programs that you've been involved in? Um, yeah, if you can give us, you know, any examples that you've seen or, yeah, what, what's it been like? So the school holiday program that I helped co-facilitate in the West, um, I found we probably had about eight or nine kids to begin with. Um, and obviously being teenagers, you had the stereotypical, mm. hmm, yes, mm, not very much response. Um, and I think the program went well. I think um, a lot of the kids benefited a lot from knowing that they weren't the only ones going through what they were going through. I know from personal experience that sometimes you think life is just really hard and that you're the only one who's going through what you're going through and your family's going through um, challenges associated with mental illness. It was about sort of creating that awareness that, that you, the kids weren't the only ones who were going through similar um, similar circumstances and, and what those supports look like. A lot of kids um, gained a lot of education like side of things. They got a lot more understanding around they knew what the behaviour looked like, but they weren't quite sure what that meant or, you know, when it was safe to do things, when it, what to do or who to call, what supports they can do. Because a lot of that does fall on generally a parenting role. However, if the kid is sort of the only person in the home at the time, it was more about how they can help. Um, and obviously it was around um, a lot of kids sort of had that self-blame and, and that guilt that the behaviour of their parent was a result of their behaviour as a child. Mm. So it was about acknowledging that it wasn't their fault, that, you know, um, when mum is like that, she's unwell, and having those conversations. But a lot of the kids, generally speaking, seemed to get a lot out of it and, and they definitely were able to interact and, and realise that they weren't the only ones going through what they were going yes. through. The other, um, the other benefit of having someone like Catherine go through the programs, what I've seen over the years, is that um, children who go through, say, a younger program can then graduate. They learn some new skills. They learn, they grow in confidence and of their own agency and they go on to do perhaps a teenage program and then become mentors and leaders in those programs and then go on to do more leadership. So there's a real opportunity for children to gain enormous life skills as well as education and go on and take on leadership roles and that's something that we're very excited about um, in these sort of um, partnership programs is to how can we offer different trajectories for children and young people and and their families by giving them opportunities to do things a bit differently mm. sounds fantastic <laughs> absolutely fantastic yeah mm. Um, wonderful. So how can um, families or any of our kind of listeners go about accessing some of the uh, services that we've discussed or been discussing today? Maybe if I just talk about FATME and then Catherine can talk about um, the My Fellowship and the program. So yeah. um, the FATME coordinators, the, uh, the current the contact details for the person um, relevant to each part of the state is on the Bouverie website, which is where I'm based, which is Bouverie, three W's, bouverie.org.au and if you type in um, FATME you'll find there's a list of the coordinators and that will be changing over time because it is being expanded to the whole of Victoria which is great. Mm -hmm. That's a good starting point and my details are on there as well and the COPME in terms of resources the www.copme C-O-P-M-I which is mm -hmm. children of parents with mental illness .net.au has got fantastic um, resources for children, young people, um, families and professionals. So. 
Wonderful. And uh, Catherine, did you just want to comment on um, some of the family services through my fellowship, how people can go about accessing that? Yep. So um, if you have internet access and you're able to go into the My Fellowship website, so it's www.mifellowship.org, um, there are a list of um, services that um, we can provide in different areas throughout the country. Um, so there's different sort of Victoria have different um, hubs. So if you're in the east, that would be um, located around the Mitcham area for family services. Um, you can contact any family service um, in whatever region you're living in and um, we can help provide supports in terms of um, education, respite, so that might be time away, um, kids programs like the mm-hmm. FAPME programs that we've discussed. Um, and just feel free to give us a chat and, and find out what supports we can help you out with. Fantastic, and I'll make sure that those uh, links are all provided on on the website for our listeners. That's all we have time for today. We've got to we've got to head off. Thank um, you very much. Thanks for having us. That's thanks all right. Thank me. you so much for for coming on on the show, and um, thank you, Terry, as well. Um, all right, that's all we've got time for today. You can listen to podcasts of our show on the Three CR website, iTunes, or Brainwaves.org.au. Uh, stay tuned for Renegade Economists. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.